for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Um, as you can hear, my voice is, uh, is not great. So I, on Friday afternoon, having taught um, year eight boys all day who were like 32 of them in a very small hot classroom, my voice gave up on Friday. Um, and so I didn't actually speak very much yesterday at all, which was a delight to Claire. Um, so, but it's, uh, I'm hoping that my voice will, will, will carry on and I'll be able to speak through. But if I don't, then we're just going to call on God. Okay, but we're going to call on God now anyway, because I think it'd be a really good way to um, start what I want to say today. I've just noticed this morning, it feels to me like there's a bit of a hunger in the room for God, and that's a good thing. Um, So if we can just bow our heads for a minute, let me just pray for you and pray for myself as well before we start properly. Holy Spirit, we thank you that when you meet with us, you change us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you fill us with the presence of God. And Holy Spirit, we pray this morning, even as I speak, Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Holy Spirit, would you fill us to overflow today, that we might know more of Christ in our lives and be the aroma of Christ to those around us? Lord Jesus, we are hungry and thirsty for you. Lord Jesus, would you come and fill us as we listen to your word this morning, spoken over us? Amen. Cool. So if I can just, if you've not been here for the last few weeks, or um, if you can't remember... This is, this is the last week in our gospel series. We've been doing a, a series on the gospel. And uh, so far, we've looked at what the gospel is, how the gospel shapes our identity as individuals, how it shapes us as a body. We've looked at our adoption into God's family. We are, therefore, his children. We've looked at how the gospel calls us to a radical holiness. And last week, Lecky spoke to us, it's already been referenced this morning, about how the gospel frees us to live a new life. Um, Today I'm going to look at the gospel and doing good. So the gospel and doing good, or the gospel and good works. I've already touched on the idea when I spoke before that it's not our good works that saves us. Okay, so it's not our good works that saves us. Our salvation is a free gift from God. He gives it to us freely, without merit on our own behalf. And actually God saves us and he brings us into his family. But our salvation is worked out through good works. So... Our good works don't save us, but our salvation results in good works. There's a huge uh, variety of verses that would support that idea in the New Testament. You just need to read the the work of Paul. Um, If you read any of the Paul or any of his letters, um, you will see that actually uh, what you'll find is that he teaches this all of the time. Because he's teaching it into a Jewish community who kept slipping back into Jewish practice, thinking that it might kind of somehow give them extra So he says this to Titus in Titus 2. He says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. I think this, yeah, there it is, brilliant. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. So God saves us first. God saves us first. And the result of that salvation is that, if you read this last verse, it's a, it's a people, he wants to purify for himself a people who are his own possession, that's us, who are zealous for good works. 
who are passionate. That's what zealous means. It's, it's, the zealots were a group of, of people in the first century um, rocking around uh, Jerusalem who were passionate for God. They were passionate for Israel. Um, to be zealous is to be passionate about something. In Paul's mind, salvation is the start of the Christian walk, not the product of it. Anyone walking in true Christian faith will produce good works. When we read Matthew 25, you will see that Jesus teaches this. He speaks of the last judgment. He talks of those who claim to know him and have then enacted their faith through looking after others. And he says, look, welcome into my kingdom. And he says to them, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. But there's another group who call him Lord there on that day. They say, Lord, Lord. But he claims to never have known them at all. And what's his evidence? Well, his evidence is that they didn't do the things that the other people did. They didn't care about people. They didn't clothe the poor, welcome in strangers, visit the sick or those in prison. And he sends them away from his presence. If you read that and the two parables in Matthew 25, you will find Jesus teaching that true faith results in works. And it's not the other way around. Our works don't give us salvation, but our works are the result of our salvation. But good works aren't anything in and of themselves. So in our secular society, we think good works are good. Everybody does. Anyone can do good works, Christian or not. If you just look at Bill Gates, Bill Gates has given over $18 billion away two charities. Some would say it's even higher now. But he's still got like 80 billion left over. I mean, like, that's more than enough, right? Or Warren Buffett, okay, so he's given away even more money. He's given away $47 billion to people. And that's great. It's brilliant that they've done that, and it's a blessing to the world. That's God's, what we'd call common grace to people. But at the same time, neither have faith in Jesus. They don't believe in him. Warren, uh, Warren Buffett says he uh, is an agnostic, They don't have a faith in Jesus to save them from their sin. And giving their money away isn't going to earn them, isn't going to curry any favour with God on their behalf. If you just look at social media, if you look at the generation that is coming up beneath us, so millennials and now Generation Z, you'll hear that talked about more and more. Generation Z are those born after 1995. Some of you guys on the stage there. They're becoming an increasing force in society. The values of our new generation, the values that they aspire to are tolerance, acceptance, social responsibility, both corporate and individual, and altruism. Now, altruism is like a clever word for doing good things, right? Being nice to people. As their voices, as the voices of Generation Z and millennials mature and they gradually take more and more steps into society, the need for religious good works will diminish further. Secular charities are on the rise, More and more secular charities will take the place of faith-based ones. Because as atheists rightly say, you don't need God to be good. You don't need God to be good. Jesus said you should love your neighbour as yourself. And that is what our society is going to be looking to do. It's interesting how actually as a society, uh, there is an increasing voice to love one another, to care about one another. And it's brilliant. And Jesus said, love your neighbour as yourself. But he also said something else when he said this. And when Jesus said this, it was an answer to a question, what's the most important of God's laws? Jesus gave that as part of his answer. And the other half was this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is the great and first commandment. 
You see, good works are always good, but they won't mend the world. They won't restore, they won't save, they won't redeem. If we could wipe out debt and find a cure for every disease, if we could ensure the marginalised in society were equal to the highest paid earners, the world would definitely be a better place. It would be a more equal and fair place. It would be a much better one. But there would still be a problem underneath it all that no man would ever be able to fix. There's a deeper brokenness that runs through the souls of humankind. A longing for a relationship with God that no matter how many things you try to fill it with, you can't do it unless you actually have that relationship with him. There's a knowingness in people that there is more than just this life. It says in Ecclesiastes that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. There's a knowingness underneath it all. When we as Christians do good works, we're doing something more. We're proclaiming the kingdom of God to the world around us. It's not just good works, it's a proclamation of a kingdom. As Christians, our good works are an overflow of the salvation that we've received. Take the amazing work that math do. They fly into hard-to-reach places to take water, medical aid and essential things that the most vulnerable people in remote locations need. They don't just do that to be good or just to do something nice. They do it because they're engaged in demonstrating the love of Jesus to people in need. It's that mission that is the heart of what they do. They're engaged in taking the love of Jesus to people. After washing the disciples' feet, Jesus said this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. We are called to love one another, to love our neighbour, so that we reveal Jesus to them. That's what we're called to do. Um, I've said this before, I, I like books on church. Um, there's, a, there's a book by a, a guy called Tom Rayner, um, and it's called Simple Church. And he looks at simplifying the process and practices of church and how it can be a major factor in seeing momentum and growth and help people in church, uh, you know, making things as simple as possible for people, helps us. And one of the areas that they looked at, they did a lot of research, was uh, church vision and value statements. They picked out this one church who have this as their vision statement. Love God, love people, serve the world. Love God, love people, serve the world. And everything they do, whether that's the worship on a Sunday morning or working in the community in a week, is seen through the lens of love God, love people, serve the world. This is just a simplified version of what Jesus says in John, that we should love God and love one another. And this is our heartbeat as a church. We want to see those three things um, in everything we do. Because if those three things are at the core of who we are as a community, the people around us will experience Jesus as they engage with us. As we love God, we love the people and we serve the world. As we do that, people will experience the love of Jesus. In Genesis 12, God makes a promise to Abraham that he will bless him with a family. He says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. God's intent was that Abraham's descendants would be a blessing. But to who would they be a blessing to? They would be a blessing to the nations. And we in Christ are Abraham's descendants. The work of Jesus in us leads to an overflow from us into the lives of other people. When you invite Jesus into your life, he becomes your king and your lord. And as part of the resurrection story, we have the example of Thomas. 
The disciple who wasn't willing to believe Jesus had risen unless he saw him for himself. You know, we get that phrase, you're a doubting Thomas. That's from that, okay? He doubted that Jesus had really risen from the dead. He said, look, until I see him, I don't believe it. So Jesus appears before him and he says, Thomas, come feel my hands and my feet. Put your, put your hand in my side. And Thomas at that moment just says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. At that moment, Thomas is declaring that Jesus is Lord. And what he's doing at that point in time is he's not just placing himself down as a follower. He's placing himself under Jesus' authority. And he's saying, I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. You are my Lord and my God. He's recognising that Jesus wasn't just a teacher, but that he was the Son of God. You see, when we do this as individuals, we become part of the kingdom of God. And that's God's rule and God's reign. To be a Christian is to be a citizen of that kingdom. Take a passport. Perhaps by this time next year, I'll be wanting an Irish passport if the Brexit negotiations go any more wrong than they already have done. Andy, I'm not sure about how that affects you. but um. However, at the moment, I've got this British one. It looks just like that one up on the screen. And my passport is a declaration of the kingdom I belong to. The United Kingdom, well, the kingdom. <laughs> it's not that united, is it? Let's be honest. And when I go on holiday, I go through the passport control. I wish I could go on holiday again. When I go through passport control, I check to find out where I'm from and why I'm visiting their country. So, you know, you go to America, they really want to find out who you are and where you come from. My passport is my declaration that I belong to the UK, that I'm a UK citizen, and I'm under the rule and reign of the Queen. And when they open it up, they want to be doubly sure I am who I say I am. So they check. Do you want to see my passport photo? Uh, let's just say here I was experimenting with no hair as I gradually prepare uh, my face towards male pattern boldness, which is happening gradually. I, I, I called it a little bit early, um, as it was there. Um, and I don't always wear glasses as well. So, just, uh. so anyway, after they've laughed at me and they've checked that I'm not a criminal who's escaped from some institution in the UK, um, and they know that I belong to the UK, they let me in. It often takes me a little bit longer than everybody else in the queue because they do doubly check my photograph. They know that I belong to the UK because I have this passport, and this passport's real. It's not fake. Um, In Christ, we see we belong to a kingdom. It's just the same, exactly the same thing. We belong to a kingdom. We are under God's rule and God's reign. We belong to the world. Uh, We don't belong to the world, but we belong to heaven. We have a new ruler over our lives. When we love others, we're doing it so that they may know that we belong to the kingdom of Jesus. We're demonstrating what the rules of his kingdom are. And you've been given free access into that kingdom. So imagine for a second that you're a Syrian refugee. You're in, a, you're in a, a refugee camp and you're approached by a British official in the camp you're staying in. And they ask you to go for a chat with someone. So you've got nothing to do, you oblige. And lo and behold, the queen is sitting there. And she says to you, oh my dear. Oh, I can't do it today. <laughs> I won't carry on with the voice. I made this sound like a commoner. I am wondering if I could adopt you. You will not only become a citizen, but an heir to my inheritance. Now, go out and tell everyone here that they can be part of my kingdom too. And I hear that they're sick. So look, take these supplies and go out and heal them. Show them what my kingdom is like. Also, take some money with my face on to give to them. Tell them if they want to be part of my kingdom, they can come to me and I'll sign the adoption paperwork straight away. I don't know about you, but if that was me in that situation, I would be straight out the door. 
I'd be screaming at the top of my lungs, you won't believe who's in there, it's the queen, and she wants you to be her son or her daughter. I'd be handing out everything I could to prove it was the case. In Christ, we have an adoption into a kingdom that is far greater than the United Kingdom. And when we do good works, they are an overflow of the kingdom working in us. We declare the kingdom to those around us, and we demonstrate what that kingdom looks like through the way that we love people. If I asked you to come up with an explanation of what it is to be a British citizen, you might take, make, make me a cup of tea, you might bring me some fish and chips, and talk to me about football whilst we watch the Great British Bake Off together. That's how you might demonstrate to me what it is like to be a British citizen. Jesus tells us to go out and demonstrate what his kingdom looks like. In Luke, we read Jesus sending out 72 of his disciples to proclaim the kingdom was at hand. The signs he told them to use to declare his coming were healing the sick. Were healing the sick. The disciples did good works in driving out demons and healing the sick to proclaim the kingdom. You know, they come back to him and they say, Lord, look, even the, even the demons flee in, in, in your name. We, we, we pray for the sick and are healed. Um, they went out and they proclaimed Christ's rule and Christ's kingdom to the world around them. Today, your mandate and my mandate is the same one. We are called to proclaim the kingdom is at hand, to love others, to care, to pray for healing, to demonstrate the way the kingdom of Jesus works. You know, if the kingdom is at work in you, it's not only changing you, it begins overflowing into the lives of other people. If God's kingdom is at work in your life, inside you, it starts to overflow. Um, every now and again, you hear uh, a message, you hear a preach that really sticks with you. Um, I'm hoping I'll get to one at some point. Um, <laughs> but one that I heard years ago, and it was years ago, was by this Brazilian pastor. He was visiting a church that we were part of at the time. And I'll never forget it. I can't remember the whole thing. But he had this simple point, and it just re- and we laugh about it now because it's just so true. He, he kept going, blessed to be a blessing, blessed to be a blessing, like that. He just did it over and over again. About 10 minutes, he just carried, carried on until it like literally soaked into us. Blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed by the King of Kings to be a blessing to the world around you. God has given you all that you need in Christ Jesus for love and good works. He's given you these things so that you can bless the world around you. Blessed to be a blessing. So much so, you see, that that blessed to be a blessing, it's stuck with me. And you've been abundantly blessed in Christ. Paul says to the Ephesians, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us, or has blessed us in Christ, sorry, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He says here, doesn't he, blessed to be the God of our Father who has blessed us. And then if we could take a third part to that, it would be that we, so that we bless other people, so that we bless others. This blessing that we've received, this blessing of the kingdom, of adoption, of salvation, of redemption, of Jesus' rule in our hearts and the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's God residing in us, should and will overflow into the lives of others. Jesus once stood in front of the Jews. It was at the end of a festival called Sukkot, which is like a, uh, it's the Feast of Tabernacles. So what happened is, is that the, the Jews would reside in these tabernacles for a, a week. Um, and every day, uh, every day uh, uh, during the day, they would go up, they would go down to this uh, pool of uh, Siloam, and they would go there, and a priest there would get water out in a big jar, and he would carry it back up to the temple, and he'd pour it out on the altar. And it was, it was a, a remembering 
when Moses struck the rock in the desert and water came flowing out to, to help the people who were thirsty drink something. And it, so uh, Jews still celebrate the, 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 the feast uh, now. They do it slightly differently. But um, this water ritual happened every day of the festival. And in John 7, you'll read that Jesus then stands up on this last day, the greatest day of the feast, it says. It doesn't make reference to the water pouring, which is why I've told you about it. And he says this, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. You see, when Jesus comes to meet us, he meets a thirst in us that we can't find met anywhere else. But when he starts to do that, actually, it's like it starts to flow out of us into other people. When the Holy Spirit lives in us, when his kingdom is active in us, there is an overflow into the lives of others. As God pours himself out into us through his Holy Spirit, the effect is an overflow and an outpouring to the lives of those around us. You know how we do that? You see, how, how, do, we, how do we start to impact the people around us? We ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us. We've started to do that this morning. We're going to do it more in a few minutes. Paul's exhortation to be filled with the Spirit in, in, in Ephesians 5 he says, be, you know, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It's a continual thing he's saying to do. He's saying you must do it continually. Don't just do it once, but keep going back to God for more. Keep asking, Holy Spirit, come and fill me again. Um, I was just reminded during the prayer meeting this morning, everybody thought I was just uh, doing some last minute, well, I was actually, I suppose, last minute additions to my preaching notes, but I was reminded of a verse in, in Revelation. Um, it's right at the end. And it says, it says this, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Who's the bride in this, in this verse? The bride is us. We are the bride of Christ. And actually, if we know the love of God in us, what happens is, is that we start to say to other people, Come, come drink. Come drink, the water is good. The, 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 the thirst that you have for, 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 the things of, uh, for something you can't quite ever kind of quench with the things of the world can be met in Christ. You know, when we come and we say, look, come drink, this is a, a gift without price. Jesus calls us to call others. Um, you'll notice I put some glasses up on here. I'm going to do something now. It could go horribly wrong. Imagine for a minute you're this glass. Um, I'm going to take a, glip, a, a sip of water as well before I do anything else. Imagine for a moment you're this glass and you come to Christ and you say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? He doesn't just fill you up because as he does it, what happens is as he doesn't stop when he reaches the top, he keeps flowing into your life. So much so that the presence of God through you and in you starts to fill and meet the needs in the people around you. If you imagine for a moment the Holy Spirit's filling into you, he starts to fill the lives of, with his love of those around you. Do you see that? Holy Spirit, come and fill us, that we might fill other people with the love of Christ. You see, it's not just, it's not just about you. The gospel isn't just about us as individuals. It's about how the world can be changed through the love of Jesus. As we come to God and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, he pours his presence into us. He pours it into us. I just did a little trickle because I don't want to get it all over the floor. He pours it into us. 
Jesus said, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. They will flow from within you. Where do they flow to? They flow out of you into the lives of the people around you. Peter knew and experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and then he proceeded to boldly proclaim Jesus to those around him. Before that, he was scared, wasn't he? But then when, when the Holy Spirit came and met him, came and poured himself out into him, Peter was bold to proclaim the word of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit floods our lives, his goodness and his kingdom pour out into the lives of those around us. See, there's a misconception that a lot of people have about the Holy Spirit. They think it's just like a, a spirit, like, and I said it for a reason. You see, people think that the Holy Spirit isn't it. It's a spirit that fills you, that maybe gives you some extra power that you need, like a battery top up. It's not like that at all. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God. He is God, fully God. He is fully God in you. Fully God working out from you. He is fully God. Jesus says, I must go so that another can come to you. The Holy Spirit came so that we might know God living in us. God, the living God, the the God of all time and space, has chosen to make his home within us by his Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not a force. He 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 is a person of the Trinity. Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. He did not emanate from God, but was always God's. Okay? He was always God. We need the Holy Spirit's empowering presence to give us boldness and boldness to be witnesses and boldness to act as well. We also need his help to show us where we can demonstrate his love and be listening to his voice. What should you be doing? What should I be doing as a result of what I've said there for this morning? Well, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and use you with the people around you. Secondly, it's not just about prayer, because we can, we can be at home all day and pray, Holy Spirit, fill me, and have a wonderful time experiencing the presence of God. But actually, we need to be attentive to his ear. We need to be listening to him, his voice, sorry. We need our ears to be attentive to his voice. We need to be listening to him. So that when we're in the world, when we're at work, when we're at home, when we're at school, when we're um, just looking after the kids, when we're doing whatever it is that we do in the day, we need to be open to hearing what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us and how he might want to use us to demonstrate the love of Christ to people. How could you serve the people that you know? How could you be the love of Jesus to them? Keep an ear open to, to Jesus. Keep an ear open to his spirit. Listen to the needs of others. How could you serve them? And not only serve them just to do something nice, but serve them to demonstrate what this kingdom is like that we are a part of. And thirdly, it's not just about prayer or being observant. It's also about encouraging one another as well. Um, so I'd ask Tim to come up this morning, but Tim's not able to be here. Tim Arnott, he prayed for somebody at work and their back was healed. Right? He prayed for somebody. This is happening in our community. We have people who are seeing God break out in their lives. Dale's job. It's fantastic. Jenny and Gary. You see, actually, God is at work amongst us. And actually, we must encourage one another because, you know, to to keep pursuing it, to keep praying for one another, we must encourage it because actually, as we do that, actually, we'll see more of it. Can we just, uh, I'm going to stop there. Um, Could the band come back up? Is that all right? We've got got some time this morning. As I said, I don't want to push my voice too much. I've got to teach more year eights tomorrow. Can I ask you to stand up for me? Is that okay? As I said, I felt like this morning there was a thirst, there was a hunger in the room. 
for the presence of Jesus. There was a hunger for, for the Holy Spirit. And we've got some time now. Um, we don't always have it. But we've got some time just to just say, Holy Spirit, would you just come and, come and fill me? If you're hungry for Jesus, you might not be. You might be here observing this morning. And that's totally cool. I'm not asking you to do it if you don't want to do it. But if you're hungry for Jesus, if you're hungry for his spirit, if you want more of him in your life, can I ask you to just put, raise your hands out to him? This is not going to do something like weird. You're not going to get lightning bolts through. You might do. Um, this is just saying, God, come and meet with me. This is a physical act of what's going on in your heart. You're saying, Holy Spirit, would you, just, would you come and, and meet with me? Holy Spirit, would you just come and fill me? Just do that now. Why don't I just inv- can you just start doing that? Start speaking out. Holy Spirit, come right now. God, we want to see your kingdom come. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come in our lives. God, we want to see you change our lives, the people around us. Lord, we want to see you change Ashford, Lord. We want to see you change Ashford, God. And we know we can't do that without your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, God in us. God at work through us. Holy Spirit, would you pour into us right now? Lord, just your presence, Holy Spirit, come and flood and invade this place. Living water. Living water, come right now, I pray. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need your presence. Holy Spirit, we need the living water. We need the living water. Lord God, we need you right now. Lord, I pray, come. Holy Spirit, come, Lord Jesus. God, would you just illuminate us in us, the works you want us to demonstrate, the kingdom to those around us. Lord, I pray, Lord, whether it's, it's just simple things, God, start to speak them into us now, whether it's cutting hedges this week, God. Lord, whether it's visiting prisoners this week, God, whether it's serving the homeless this week, Lord. Jesus, give us boldness to speak. Holy Spirit, come and fill us now with your presence to give us boldness, God, to be witnesses for Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Holy Spirit, keep inviting him. Keep saying, Holy Spirit, would you come? Come and meet with me. Lord Jesus. He's here. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be. Jesus is here this morning. His Spirit is here. If you want to know his outpouring presence in your life, just come and ask. Jesus says, which of you fathers would give your son a snake if you ask him for it, if he asked for it? He says, actually, God gives good gifts to his people. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit when he says that. He's talking about the Holy Spirit when he says that to those disciples. If you ask the Holy God for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come and fill you. Be expectant of what he will do in your life as you ask him this morning. Holy Spirit. Shabo Sokoyana. Kiado Sokoyana. Kiado Sokoyana. Lord Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. Come now, God. Come now, Lord Jesus. When I ask you to fill me again with your Holy Spirit, I know my words are going to come in line with what your Spirit's saying. 
I need to speak who I am. I need to speak who you are. That's in line with your spirit. So come and fill me again. Flood my mind, my heart. Flood my very being. I know I'm saying goodbye to my comfort zone. I can't stay safe when I'm full of your Holy Spirit. I'm saying yes to risk. I'm saying yes to be brave. I'm saying yes to be confident in who I am, in who you are. In the light of hate, I can love. In the light of misunderstanding, I can be meek. In the light of people saying lies, I can speak truth. In the light of people who don't know you, I can talk about you. So come and fill me again. I say goodbye to my comfort zone. And I embrace all that you have. I take up the risk. I will step forward, I will take a chance, knowing you are filling me afresh. Lord, I love you with all of my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need more. You need more. We need more. One of the things that's been on my heart over recent times is there there are people here, there are those of us who paid the price in years gone by to to know the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, we're living in another generation which kind of taking it for granted. And there's a cost, but it's wonderful, and it's worth it. It's worth every penny. And some of you are going through difficult circumstances, trials, and uh, and you know, God is right there with you. He is right there with you. But you know, sometimes we pray, God, I want to go on with you. (laughs) And you don't realize what it takes for God to do to get you to go on with him. He doesn't want to make your life nice. He doesn't want to make you a nice person. He wants to make you a radical person. A person who really knows him. A person who knows the fullness of the Spirit. And these things are designed to push you into the presence of God. Those circumstances you're going through, they're designed to make you hunger for God, who's the only answer to your situation. That, that thirst, that dryness, where you try and keep filling it up elsewhere, and you find it satisfying perhaps in different ways, but you keep coming back to it, and the answer is the Holy Spirit. More of the Holy Spirit. 
You know, there's a, a lie out there as well that the, the Holy Spirit is a perfect English gentleman. He is not. He is not. So you have to be prepared for him to do radical things in your life. You have to prepare for him to shake things up. That's his way. I am by nature very reserved. I would be the quietest boy in town. There's no way I chose to do what I'm doing. I do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the only way I can keep doing this. You know, because I need him. I know my humanness only too well. I would be like Timothy. I would withdraw. I would hide away. But God, God calls and God enables. Would you, as we just come to a close and just raise your hands. Maybe something you've never done before. Just raise your hands. Raise your hands. If you want to be in on this this morning, raise your hands. Just raise your hands and say, count me in, Lord. Count me in. He wants to raise a new generation of radicals who will pay the price. Yeah, who will be prepared to go the whole way in order to encounter him and to know more of his spirit. Yeah, thank God for all that you've known of, to, of him up to this moment in time. But there is more. Hallelujah. We can be absolutely satisfied in Jesus, but there's more. Yeah? We can know the power of the Holy Spirit, but there is more. And we've just heard that from Barney. And as we've heard that in the prophetic song, and as we've been worshipping this morning together. So just hold your hands out as we draw to a close. Holy Spirit, we just welcome your presence once again before we leave this meeting. We really, really do. We, we welcome you into our lives. You're a wonderful, wonderful person. You are the counselor that we need. The one who gives us good counsel. You're the comforter who speaks words of assurance to our souls. You're the, you're the empowerer, the one who gives us feeble people as we are, strength to step over those boundaries that we put around our lives and step into your stuff, Lord, and do the things that you want us to do, which we wouldn't do without you. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And we, we give you permission this week to touch our lives in new ways, new experiences. Maybe this week that some of you You've never spoken in tongues, but you're going to go into the quiet place. You're going to get alone with God. And God is going to release that gift to you this week. You're going to speak in tongues. Yeah? If that's you this morning, take that, take that, take that word and go and do it. Go and get into his presence. Allow him to give you that gift. Some of you have never prophesied. You're going to be in a situation where God's going to deposit that word in your heart. You've never done it before and you're going to have to take, the, take that courage to step out and share that word. Yeah? Are you open to this? Can I have a big amen? Amen. Yeah. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In this moment, in the cafeteria, when we go home and when we go to work, when we do our stuff, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Barney. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.